Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I'm delighted to welcome Jennifer Mack into the show. Jennifer, Jennifer will talk about how CEOs and heads of HR and leadership development professionals can do better with talent development. Jennifer, I am so excited to have you on the show. We've known each other for a while and you have been deeply ensconced in the world of leadership development. So you really come at this from an expert vantage point. And you wrote a brand new book, which was just released. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. But I'm really eager to know, um, you know, your take on leadership is slightly different. So what inspired you to write the book and, and what kind of change do you want to impact here? Sure. Well, thank you again for having me, Caroline. And I love listening to your working life and look forward to being able to provide a few nuggets, hopefully, to those who are listening. And And the reason this book came about really is based on consulting that I've done with hundreds of companies over about 25 years. And I've had a lot of thoughts spinning around in my head of what I want to share more broadly. And it was Forbes books that came to me and approached me and, and said, I think you've got a really unique message to share. And they had a unique process for coming together and getting to the heart of the message in a few hours, which was really cool. It was this brainstorming session that we did. And I came with an outline and then we put a lot more meat to it. And then the clarity came about what I want to share, which is that the way we're developing leaders today is just not working and people are still not ready. And so we have um, developed some unique ways of handling that. And, and so I want to share through this book, this big problem that if we don't address it and leaders aren't prepared, leaders aren't ready for what's coming next, companies are not going to succeed like they could. And then you think, you know, what suggests maybe that people aren't ready? How do I know, you know, that they're not ready? And, and what I was seeing through our client work was people that are overwhelmed when they become leaders, especially senior leaders. And we'd have coaching, for example, and they would literally be feel sick. And, and maybe half the time they'd end up in tears talking about the heavy load that they have and not sure how to handle it. Um, you know, there are lots of reasons why they aren't ready. They're promoted without a lot of experience often. And, you know, there's decreased engagement. And so a lot came to why do I want to share this message? So I'm really excited to, to share the, the process we would recommend and, and the ways we would suggest that companies go about it differently. You know, it's interesting that you, you mention uh, the generational differences. Many are becoming leaders early on in their career. And sometimes that's out of necessity because of uh, older professionals who are retiring. Uh, it's an interesting time. We're dealing with the, the after effects. Of, of the COVID-19 pandemic. Some people are taking early retirement, which is giving opportunities to new leaders. So what can we do that's different from the tried and true uh, training of leaders that can be more impactful? Because clearly we've got work to do here. 
We do. We do. And, and especially this new generation coming up, um, they are expecting that the companies they work for are going to take care of them in this way. They want to learn. They want to be developed. And they're demanding that they're to be developed. And, you know, Carolyn, it's it's not that I believe that the competencies we need as leaders have changed a whole lot. I believe that the way that we could be successful 20 years ago is similar to how leaders can be successful today. So it's not necessarily the skill set that we're trying to change about um, the programs that we're delivering. So what I learned was missing is is uh, four things. One of four things. Um, one would be that companies are connecting their development to their strategy. So are they developing people based on what they need them to do in the future, what they need to, them to be ready for? That's the connection of the leadership team and human resources together to create the plan and the how. Secondly, we need all leaders involved. And this isn't happening very often where there's a culture of leaders that are developing other people. And it's crazy, but I believe leaders' main job is to lead people and to help them grow and develop. And you would think, gosh, that's common sense. <laughs> but what I learn is they tend to go more to their function, you know, their finance function or marketing function and, and focus on outcomes there versus the people that, that are in their care. So that's number two. Third is this reinforcement and practice piece. If you think about when you've gone through any sort of um, program or development, or you even read a book and you're thinking, how do I put this in action? You go right back to what you've been doing before and you're already overwhelmed, already have too much on your plate. So how do we practice and reinforce what we know we need to do differently? And then lastly, this is kind of a, an odd one in the current circumstances of not really gathering in groups right now, but I believe it needs to have a pretty big face-to-face -face component that leaders need some opportunities. And now it's through Zoom right now and, and small groups, but you know, how do we share information with each other, learn from each other? That's when it really sticks. So this is about the stickiness of the information that we're receiving and learning along our whole leadership journey, which none of us, I believe, have arrived. And you know what I find fascinating? It, it is um, employer evaluation season, right? That time every year where we think about performance reviews and how leadership is measured. And I'll just say one thing. I think the standard evaluation um, forms leave a lot to be desired, right? I think there's such a way to improve that, but that's a whole other show. But are we really assessing our leaders well and giving them opportunities to grow and develop in how they are honing those leadership skills? Right, right, right. And I agree that that it's shifting away from the, the, the formality of it. And I'm glad for that uh, because it's awkward. Um, it feels like it's on uh, another thing on top of everything else that leaders have to do. However, I think on the front end of a year or when someone starts a new role, clarifying expectations for leaders in particular, laying out what their responsibility is in the development of people holding them accountable for that, rewarding them for that is, is really what, where what's needed. And how you do that or how often you do that 
I think can vary. And so at least we need to be having conversations monthly and checking in and having development plans that connect to it. Again, as I mentioned, we all have room to grow. And so talking through with the person you report to about what you want and what you want to do in your career and, and where you want to improve. If you both know what that is and you both agree to how you're going to get to that next stage you want to get to, there's really no stopping people. And that's the exciting part. If, if this evaluation and assessing can kind of come together as an opportunity for that development. Jennifer, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. What inspires me, Jennifer, is your work with C-suite level leaders, right? And you said, if the change is going to happen, it needs to happen at the top. So walk us through that, because I know some of the big concerns for CEOs and leaders in those pinnacle roles is not only leadership development in their ranks, but retaining talent. Right, right. You know, there was a study recently, the conference board, it was the beginning of this year of 2020, and it laid out top concerns for CEOs and focuses. And outside of, at the time, this was before the pandemic hit us, um, it was about the a re- possible recession. That was their number one worry. The second and third, however, were internal worries. And one was talent retention and the other was how to develop leaders. So if those are the top agenda items and what I've learned is they're not measuring how they're doing today, that's a big disconnect. So I, after talking to lots of CEOs, I don't know that they know what to do. And I think that one of the challenges is they're they're transferring this ownership and accountability to their human resources, hopefully person on their team, um, because HR doesn't always report to the president or CEO, um, which I think is important. So, so if they don't know what to do, they're not connected to the work. That's the main reason it doesn't get the amount of attention and the dollars that are required to make this work. So, There's that. And so what I recommend is that the whole leadership team of all organizations think about their role in it and how they can support all development and what's going well and what's not going well. And so that's part of what I created in this book that I'm most excited about is a tool just for leadership teams and maybe some some key operational people, maybe the HR together where they can assess these four areas I mentioned of how they provide development and identify what their strengths are, identify what their difficulties are, so they collectively can determine here are the top three things or five things that we believe if we do differently, that it could be just what you were talking about, the better evaluation connectedness to their plan, for example, that could be one thing they're not doing right now. And so that's um, one of their top three. 
if they are all aligned, then they say, well, how is it going to, what is it going to take to get there? And what are the dollars it's going to take? That's where things get done is at the top and they have to live it also. So a bit, bit bigger than just what the CEO needs to do, but they have to drive it and take it as this is my responsibility first and foremost to, and believe that if they do this, they're going to reach their strategy, which, you know, and their goals. And that's part of our job, Carolyn, is to show them that connectivity toward if you do these things for your leaders, this is what happens to your business success. And it just increases. So I'm really hearing you say that this is a systemic approach. Of course, it starts at the top, but it's got to be universal in the organization to really work. Correct. Correct. Cascading it throughout the organization through your leaders is difficult. And that's why this isn't, you know, I, I, I say that this is, these are four steps and it sounds simple and systemic, but it's not easy. And I made all the mistakes that everyone else has made historically in developing people because I didn't know anything differently and we're all doing the best, best that we can, but cascading it throughout the organization is hard. So that's why we typically recommend that they start with the leadership team and then their direct reports and so on, unless there's a real need to start at that entry level, because how can, if you start at an entry level, supervisors, for example, and then they're not supported by the person they report to, and they don't really even understand what they're, what they're learning, it's, it's going to break down a little bit. So um, we usually start at the top and say, what is your role as a leadership team, not only in this development, but how can you be a better leader and, and um, what should you expect from your team? So this is really a shift or a pivot in methodology. And certainly I wouldn't want you to uh, speak about specific clients. You know, we want to honor that confidentiality, but maybe generally you can give an example of the types of things that were tweaked and changed and adjusted to uh, promote stronger leadership within an organization. Happy to. Yeah. So one company comes to mind in particular that it's a software development organization, and typically the more technical organizations don't focus as much on the people side, at least at first. And that was the case with one of our clients. And they grew very fast within their technology. They're also in a pretty rural area of the country, so finding talent is difficult, but they would keep the talent that they had. So people wanted to work there. But then they needed to double in size again, and they knew they couldn't get it easily. Plus, I think it was 30% or more of their leaders were going to retire in three to five years. Wow. <laughs> and there was yeah. a big gap between them and their and the next kind of leaders coming up. And so they didn't have the luxury of taking 10 years or whatever it was for them to be ready to prepare these other people. So that was really cool because it, it pushed having more of this methodology because they knew that they couldn't get where they wanted to go without their leaders being better prepared. And so the CEO started with the leadership team. We came and talked with them for a full day about, about their focuses where they what they cared about and connected it in with what we were planning on doing together 
the CEO was the champion. He would come to every program and kick it off or have a video kicking it off to show um, the importance of it, reinforced it along the way. Um, it was just, they, they really put in play everything that I had suggested, that we had suggested. And the CEO transitioned out and there was an internal person that succeeded him and he's doing fabulously. They had to, you know, replace a lot of leaders retiring and they are continuing to be very successful. I was going to say kick a little butt, um, <laughs> but very successful and um, feel like they're ready for this next stage for themselves. So that's a, that's a positive example. Um, there are, so we typically get brought in when there's a problem. Um, yeah. One, one healthcare company, they're pretty large, um, had a big diversity problem and still do because that's not something you turn around every day or easily ride around. And so this organization set a, set a goal of X percent of leaders need to be diverse by a certain time. And so they brought us in to, to look at all of what they were doing for development and rework it all to make sure it was what they needed for the future, not what they've cobbled together over the years. And um, they decided to outsource it to us at that point. And we put all of their leaders through based on the level in which they work. So whether they lead other people, they lead leaders, they lead a function. We have development programs for for each level so that they can also feel good being together with their level and talking and being vulnerable with each other. And so they did that within probably, probably put about 200 leaders uh, into the program so that it became part of their culture. It was a learning culture and all leaders knew that that was part of their job, a big chunk of their job. And um, we're still not there to the date of what they were expecting, but they're making progress every year. And it's because they have something systemic in place that allows people opportunity to, um, to look at what the paths are for themselves and know what the development is connected to it so that they can drive their own development. So I'm fascinated by how we measure success or development in this process when you're working with clients, specifically in an organization. And I know your book includes a tool that leaders can use to rate themselves to see how they fare in being a good strategist and a good leader. So help us understand that because I think clearly it starts with the self-evaluation of the pinnacle leader. Sure. We have ways of helping leaders based on their level measure how they're doing today in all the competency areas that we put together in our programs as important. So we provide them a way to see where are you current state? Where are you after our programs and your knowledge? And then six months later, a year later, what is your, uh, how are you doing now? And it's really about knowledge retention. So did you retain the skills necessary to coach or to um, do a performance review or better ways of selecting leaders, things like that, but also a separate assessment to look at behavior change. And that is kind of up and down. Does your leader see the changes you're trying to make? And do your direct reports also see that? Are you making progress in implementing and putting that in play? Lastly, 
we try very hard to capture what a client cares about because all of their leaders are developing each other and, and their direct reports, then all numbers should increase. So before we begin working with the client, we ask them, what are you trying to accomplish? And so for the healthcare company, it was diversity. Uh, for the other organization um, in software, it was about readiness of the next generation. So we can look at that. I call every CEO a year later and say, okay, this is what you said you wanted um, to happen with this program. Where are you today? Some of it is a, is, is a little more subjective and others are much more tangible of increase in revenue, things like that. Jennifer, this is such an opportune time and a very interesting time as we navigate uh, the COVID-19 global pandemic. Is this a good time to focus on leadership in an organization and say, hey, new normal, how do we do this? Good question. It's a tough time to focus on it, but absolutely a time to focus on it. So right now, leaders are looking for help. Um, we're doing a survey that's going to come out next month about how leaders fared during the pandemic. And I'm very excited to know what, what's going well and what's not going well so that we can give that information back to companies to think about how their leaders have done through this. So now we have some real evidence of how well they did. Um, It'd be nice if we could measure some of that for each of our clients and then show them show them some information about here's who's done well and not done well. So then they could say, all right, how do I make sure that they're ready for the next change? Because that is something that we know for sure um, is that it's something else is going to happen. Hopefully nothing as big as what's happened for the first half of the year, but change is going to be ongoing and and managing through that is a big part of how you know if leaders are ready. So yes, if they can focus on it right now, and a lot of our clients are doubling down on that and spending a lot of time. Some are really just trying to keep alive. And in that case, I understand if you can't focus on it, but just being ready to when you can. Jennifer, thank you. I learned so much from you today, and I'm, I'm so grateful for your book. Let me tell our global audience all about it. It's called Leaders Deserve Better, A Leadership Revolution, and it's available on Amazon and at all major book retailers. I wish you great success on the book launch, and thank you for your extraordinary commitment to leadership development. Thank you, Carolyn. Appreciate the invitation. You take good care. And if you like our show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and even better, leave us a review because this helps new people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. A special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.